Before we begin today's show, you know him, you love him. He's one of the best sports reporters on the planet. I'm, of course, talking about ESPN's very own Adam Schefter, who at the time I'm saying this is probably tweeting something that millions of people will like and retweet, but only after he changes his fantasy lineup before he knows when certain players are coming back. I thought that was a little bit shrewd last week. Um, and I think that if I was in his fantasy league, I would lodge a protest. But if you didn't know, he's got his very own podcast, brilliantly named the Adam Schefter Podcast. Every episode, he gives you the NFL world's latest and interviews with some of the most knowledgeable football people out there. You can download and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can also subscribe, rate, and review the Hoop Collective while you're there. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing Sunday night. Joining us from Southwest Florida, Fort Myers, Naples area, is our front office insider, all-around good guy, Bobby Marks. Hi, Bobby. Hey, Brian. How are you? I'm really I'm doing good, uh, although um, I guess my grand European vacation for the offseason is canceled. <laughs> Just <laughs> hey, you're gonna have, you might have your summer back, though. You might That's have your true. August back. That, you're not kidding. Uh, will, we be, will we be able to go anywhere in August? Please advise. Uh, and joining us from Los Angeles is um, another one of our uh, fine gentlemen, covers uh, the L.A. teams for us and uh, knows more than anybody about the L.A. Clippers, right, Om? Yeah, I wish. <laughs> Om Young Masuk joining us. Um, so uh, the story that Woj, Zach Lowe, and I worked on for several days last week and uh, uh, finally sort of came together on Friday that um, – so last Monday, the um, I think it was Monday. I don't know for sure what day it was, but I think it was Monday. The owners' um, finance committee. There's a group of owners who uh, make up the finance committee. Had a meeting, and in that meeting, they looked at everything and they decided, you know what, we need to play sooner rather than later uh, for reasons that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. Um, and by Friday, by the time the full board of governors meeting had come together, the full owners meeting, which they met. Um, I don't know if it's over zoom or if it's over some secret channel, but it was virtually, um, that was pretty much decided that it was going to be uh, Christmas or even sooner. And, um, they have to work out a deal with the players up here in the, in the next few days. Um, but, uh, it's probably going to be a December restart, late December restart for the NBA, which is not something even Adam Silver was believing three weeks ago. Um, Bobby, what was your reaction when you heard that this was actually going to happen this way? Not, not really surprised, Brian. Um, because when we wrote that FAQ right after the season, it had over one of the questions in there was, are we going to see playoff games in, uh, August and, and September? And based on the commissioner's comments, um, that was going to be yes. But when you really do a deep dive, if the league ever wants, wanted to get back to that July to June schedule, they were going to have to probably start in late December or early January and play 70 to 72 games to, to do so. And, um, you know, it's going to be kind of a, a shotgun start here with everything that's going to happen here. But, um, you know, playing games in September, playoff games in September and October is not appealing. You know, we saw certainly where the, when you're competing against the NFL and college football, and if we can get back to, you know, a normalized schedule um, that that was always going to be the goal. So, it, so it's not surprising. It, it is funny though, that 
Saturday morning, I was, around 7.30, I had gotten a text from, from a GM, and the, he basically, um, <laughs> the text basically said, December 22nd? Are you blank kidding me? <laughs> and I said, I think I think that's where we're heading. And, and basically, the guy was, what happened to health and wellness, right? What happened to the health and wellness of the players as far as back to backs and you know three and uh, you know the four and five nights here? And you know, we'll talk about back in 2011, 12 when the lockout was lifted. I mean, there were teams playing you know three nights in a row and a lot of back to back. So we'll see how the schedule yeah. makers work this out. I think that it'll be a little bit different, guys, because um, you won't have many dates that you're going to be. You're going to have a blank schedule, I think, unless you have some hockey a hockey team. Yeah, you're not going to be competing with. Um, well, I don't want to say Van Halen, a Van Halen back in the day, but you're not going to be competing. You're definitely with not competing with Van Halen. Not Van Halen, I but you're promise. not going to be competing with uh, Bon Jovi at the uh, you know Barclays Center for or Monster Truck somewhere. So right. you will have uh, you know a Trans Siberian Orchestra. That's right. That's right. A more of a blank schedule there. Um, what did you think? Did you have a, a grand uh, vacation to Thailand plan that you now have to now you have to shut down? I did well. First of all, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen, uh, one of the greatest of all time. But uh, I was surprised um, because I think everybody, all these assistant coaches and coaches I had talked to who were in the bubble, almost all of them had heard, you know, hey, we're and this is like you know a month ago. We're like, hey, we're we're here in February, you know, because the NBA wants to wait as long as they can to get fans in the building, and obviously we're looking at you know something that is going to be probably no fans because of the the surge uh that there may we, be fans in some places but there yeah. certainly will not be in all the arenas and there certainly will not be the number that they were hoping for yeah and we don't know where you know if we're gonna have a vaccine by then and what what all that's gonna i would entail. bet against that but i guess that we shouldn't yeah. predict things in this world exactly um i was looking at trying to uh, my wife and i have yet to take our honeymoon because we got married like late September last year, right before the season. And then I jumped right into the season and we were hoping to take a honeymoon. Having said that, Bobby, they got married in Aruba. I mean, I feel bad. There's no better place to get married. I feel yeah. bad for you, Mom. I'm just, yeah. you know, I'm just a reporter who wants to give all You know what? Hey, quick story regarding Aruba. That's where I did Richard Jefferson's monster contract when he signed with resigned in uh, his rookie scale extension in New Jersey. And Richard yeah. was playing for Team USA, the team that was in Greece. And I was in the Hyatt in Aruba in that business center faxing the copy to I don't even know who the trainer was, but whoever the trainer was of Team USA to have Richard sign that and then send it back. So that's my Aruba take for you. There's a lot of. Um, <laughs> things that have happened uh, in the business world where there, somebody's in the Caribbean faxing something to uh, Greece. So you probably were not the only person ever to do the deal. This might've been a little more above board uh, than some of the deals that have gone down in Aruba over the generations. But uh, I, I mean, you know, Wendy, what I wonder about this is the players cannot be happy about this quick turnaround. Well, we're going to talk about the players in one second. Um, let me just say this. I think th this is my feel from talking to a lot of people um, in ownership and uh, front offices and uh, presidents, team presidents who actually have to put the buildings together. I will say this. Um, one thing that is an interesting side effect, a lot of the buildings, which probably wouldn't be open, the, when I say buildings, the arenas, actually have been opened because they're being used for polling places. And so, um, you know, this is one of the things is, you know, are these arenas feasibly able to start hosting basketball in a short period of time? And in some cases, the buildings have been set up 
you know, because of the voting. So in a, in a way that the players, um, you know, pushing for, for that has, uh, has made it more feasible for the NBA to start, but let's just be honest here. Um, the ratings were a very big disappointment. Um, and, uh, look, I am not going to sit here and try to tell you why the ratings were so bad. There are people who have their opinions. I've read many stories on them. I don't know. I think there's probably a hundred different things. I don't know. But the end of the day is the NBA playing in, in August, September, and October was not good for ratings. Now, um, your argument back could be, well, any rating is better than 0.0 and any basketball is better than no basketball. And of course I agree with that. But if you are a planner and you just saw an example of what ratings look like outside the normal NBA window, you would be concerned about that. Number two, the, the way the virus is going right now. And of course, all of us know eight months in here that we can't really predict it. The NBA owners were looking at this and saying, you know, we could wait until February and we could be in February and we could be in the exact same boat that we are in now. And we would have let two months go past and we would have had no chance on uh, correcting the calendar for next year. And I think that was a driving factor too, that we could still be not having the fans that we want in the building by then. And number three, the opportunity to claim Christmas, um, Bobby, I saw there a report that I did, I have not personally heard this, but I don't doubt the report that the um, that the union was told that starting on Christmas would be worth potentially five hundred million dollars more. How or is that something that maybe is still being negotiated? How could it be worth more? The TV contract is the TV contract, and you're certainly not getting fans in the building. Yeah, I don't know about it more. I mean, I was looking at it more that it was probably um, not starting. Um, earlier would probably incur more losses, you know, or you, know, you, you take that number off, whatever. I, I mean, we were projecting Brian Ohm, uh, eight point, I think 8.4 billion, um, was the BRI number for 2021. So it's not like all of a sudden now that number was going to be like 8.9 just because we're starting on, um, right. you know, on, on Christmas now. So I, I, th- I looked at it more as far as more of a, of a loss, um, than a gain by, um, starting, you know, closer to Christmas compared okay. to waiting in, you know, the end of January and um, end of January, early February here. And so well, let me just say this. Why December 22nd? Well, here's why. So December 22nd is a Tuesday. Christmas this year is on a Friday. Well, I'm going to tell you why December 22nd, because um, Christmas Day is uh, the big showcase for ABC ESPN. We work for ESPN, just in case you didn't know. Um, and uh, it's like pretty much the prime regular season day for uh, our employer. Uh, but TNT gets ring night every year. They get the season opener and ring night. Well, you can't have ring night. Uh, as Well, you could. I mean, I once went to a ring night on Christmas Day after the lockout. But um, it would have been problematic. So TNT is going to get their ring night. And I would, I would assume if this passes, I would, I would, I would guess Lakers warriors. Um, but okay. Maybe Lakers Clippers, because I, I think Lakers Clippers is going to be what uh, we want. I don't know, by the way, I don't know this at all. I'm just guessing. Okay. So we all understand, but I could, I could see, you know, you didn't, you didn't want the Lakers to have to play Christmas Eve and then Christmas day. So you start the season as normal on Tuesday night, as the season always does start. And then you have your big showcase on Friday and the Lakers play Tuesday and Friday and probably a couple other teams will play Tuesday and Friday as well. Um, so that's why it's December 22nd. Um, so the TNT can have their contracted thing. And so that uh, ABC ESPN can have their slate. And I would, 
imagine that the uh, five o'clock game on Christmas Day um, is Lakers, but uh, but we'll see. Um, so, but you mentioned the players, Ohm. So I've been talking when I've talked about where this is going and what the players are facing. I've been using the hypothetical ten million dollar Sacramento King, a Sacramento King who makes ten million dollars, you know, higher earner in California. So let's just go over what we're looking at here. Um, this 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 uh, new idea here is for 72 games, not 82, 72. Now, there could be a play-in tournament, and Bobby, I guess they could negotiate some salaries differently, but if they play 10 fewer games, that's 12% less money. So, you know, let's, we'll see how it gets negotiated, but if it's 12% less money, this is actually easy math, even for somebody like me. If you make 10 million and you're making 12% less, that's 8.8 .8 million. Now, in California, your state income tax plus your federal income tax at that income level is going to be about like 48 or 49%. So now you're down to about 4.4, 4.6 million of your $10 million contract. Now, Bobby, to balance the books, the players are going to, as we've talked about in this podcast, the players are going to have to have some of their salary withheld. Uh, to potentially balance the books because they were thinking it was going to be eight billion, but it's going to be less. So, Bobby, how much would you guesstimate today? Just just throw a guess out there about how much they may have to have their salary withheld. I would say at a minimum thirty percent, probably even maybe even more than that. Okay, so let's just say that it's thirty percent. If you make four point five million, you get withheld thirty percent. Um, now you're down to about three point one, three point two million. Okay, now you have to pay your agent, which is four percent. Um, you know, pretty soon you're down, and you start to think about what these guys are gonna gonna look at. And you know, look, I'm not asking, as I've said before, I'm not asking you to cry for them. Um, but you know, you look at a guy like um, you know Steph Curry or or Chris Paul or LeBron James who are making you know in in the in the mid in the forties, right, or in the forty million dollar range. Like it's a heck of a lot of money to them. You know, twelve percent. Uh, you know, 10 less games of 40 million bucks. And, you know, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying that you should feel bad for them, but you know, that's a lot of money. That's, you know, 8 million bucks or 10 million bucks somewhere in that range, just in this fewer, 10 fewer games. So um, Bobby, they're going to have to come to an agreement with the players on this and they're going to have to do it soon because um, coming up Friday is the deadline that the, the union and the players have set to uh, decide the CBA, and they also promised that they would give an eight-week heads up to start the start of the season. That's the middle of this week. Yeah, I would think Brian and and Ohm that there's going to have to be an agreement, you know, sometime this week um, because the, as the days go by, you we you know if we're looking to try to start training camp in I guess early December here and start this thing December twenty second. Um, you know, this can't linger into November, into early November. Um, based, I mean, there's so much that has to be done already. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it's different from 2011 post-lockout regarding the, the player salaries is that the escrow stayed the same. But what happened was that the players had their actual salary reduced based on the games played. You know, instead of 82 games, um, it was based on 66 games played. So they, they took a little bit of a haircut, but there was people in the stands then. 
<laughs> I mean, there was revenue coming in right. for 66 right. games or 33 home games, right? 66 regular season games, 33 right. home games and everything else. We, we just don't know where it, what the revenue is going to come in at. Um, it could come in at five point five billion. It could come out at seven billion because we don't know when. Right. So they'll they'll hold thirty percent, and maybe it ends up that they only need twenty percent to balance the books, and the players get ten percent back. Or maybe the vaccine comes, and there's twenty thousand people in the buildings for this by the spring, and uh, it's ten fifteen percent. I mean, you know, that's we don't really know. Well, yeah, and that's why um, you know during this current year, the, the players started having their salaries reduced by twenty five percent in mid May, just because we didn't know if this bubble was ever going to work, right, or if there was going to be a stoppage, or we were going to have to stop playing games. And there's a good chance that that the players would get a little bit of that back. Um, we'll we'll know in a we'll probably know in a couple of weeks here when the you know the final audit is done here. But yeah, the, the escrow protects the revenue split. Um, in case it's not evened out. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So, um, I don't really think the players ha- have much of a um, a leveraging point here. Um, they're probably going to have to agree to this. And I got to tell you, in talking with people on the league side, you know, I-, I did reach out to somebody with a union, but in talking to people on the league side this last week, they didn't act like getting the players to agree was going to be that big of a stumbling block. I I'm sure there. I'm sure there's some people are going to be upset, but I'm not sure what they can do about it. Yeah, look. Uh, even though I'm Asian, my math is not. I'm not as good at math <laughs> as, as you are, Wendy. But listen, I'm looking at the Lakers. Lakers played on October 11th, and so if if the season starts December 22nd, that means their training camp would have to likely start December 1st and give them at least three weeks. That gives them seven weeks from the last game of the finals until a potential opening training camp date. Uh, and I get it. All the other teams didn't play as long, except for Miami, played as long as the Lakers. But that is a very short turnaround. And I just feel like these guys have gone through a lot. They complained about the bubble, which leads me to the other thing that I'm really wondering how this is going to work is it's obvious a lot of these guys don't want to do the bubble again. And I just really am fascinated logistically of how they are going to make this work, even with the talk of them going to perhaps if you go play in New York, and you'll play the two games against the Knicks and then maybe two games against the Nets, kind of like baseball. 
I still wonder how this is going to work because I watch the NFL and I see these guys and you have these little outbreaks. One guy catches COVID. Everybody has to quarantine for like three or four days. You don't and know. There they have, they have a week. On Sunday. They're right. going to they move a game back, right? Right. They have a week between games there. So, you know, there's a little bit of a grace period if, they, if there's a test that they can retest guys. I just think it'll be like all hell's going to break loose if they don't have like some sort of, which was an idea that we had heard before, a regional bubble. But I, I'm sure there's a lot of pushback from the players and coaches not wanting to do that stuff. I just I, don't, I, I don't think there's work. I don't think there's going to be uh, there may be like a little teeny bubble, like let's say four teams come to Los Angeles and they play like a round robin for like 10 days, but it'll just be like scheduling, creative scheduling. I don't think they're going to like be, you know, literally inside a hermetically sealed but you're, situation. But you now are, are hoping or you're mandating that your guys don't go out and see people for however long they are in that city. That's well, that's right. I mean, that's what the NFL is doing. And that's why like, uh, now the Cleveland Indians, as an example, uh, they found out two of their pitchers had uh, blown off the protocols, and I don't remember if they went to a party or whatever. Yeah. And the players voted to send them to the minors. They were the, one of them was one of the best starters in the league. Yeah. Um, that sounds like when Terrence Williams was late for practice in New Jersey, and we voted to send him to Springfield to the G League. There you go, <laughs> Springfield Armor. Yeah, right I mean there. there was something with the there's you know I saw there was something with the New York Giants and. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley allegedly being out of the club because they played Thursday night. Saquon obviously not playing is out for the season. Um, and, you know, there's some guy who posted online on his Instagram a picture of him at some club with, with Daniel Jones, Saquon. Then he was claiming that this was two years ago. But there's, you know, this reminds me again of Lou Williams and the Clippers and trying to keep guys from basically trying to go out and live their lives or whatever is going to be a but, very but none of us are living our lives right now. You know, there's, there's, there's many, many people who are working from home and they don't get to go to clubs. I get it. And, you know, but I think, I think a lot of us are more disciplined than some NBA players. Well, I agree. So w- one of the things that has been discussed here is having a quote unquote two week or 10 day break at mid season, sort of as a give back to the players to say, okay, we know we're turning around pretty quickly here, but we're going to give you a mid season break to let you, you know, something to look forward to. Um, but also, you know, this is what, you know, they're also building in a buffer that in case you need those two weeks to play makeup games, that you can do that. Um, so, you know, that's, we'll see how that all gets uh, figured out. But one thing I will say here, so, you know, the draft is November 18th. We talked about training camps needing to start around the first of the month. Bobby, how soon after the draft would free agency begin? Well, originally I thought it would be December 1st just to, you know, if we were going to, if we were going to target, um, you know, mid January, but now I'm thinking if the draft's on that Wednesday, you're looking at probably like the November 22nd, 23rd, right? Third's a month. Yeah. I I would think you would probably, um, you can, uh, you know, June 30th would actually probably be, um, you know, November 22nd and then 23rd, you can start agreeing to deals. And then when uh, I got the- news, uh, <laughs> deals are going to be starting to agree to, uh, in fact, I have already heard of a deal that's been agreed to who knows if it's true or not. Well, I had one, no. Brian, I had one agent cause I was talking about his, his free agent and, and salary projections. Right. And I, I was, uh, he said, Hey, you're really low. I've already got like two offers. 
from, right, right. from a team from two different teams on that so right, um, right, right. i think we'll yeah i don't think we're going to be waiting on much of a holding pattern but yeah i think you probably will start uh, i think you i think we would probably start before uh, thanksgiving right you probably start through thanksgiving and it just kind of works its way and it won't be like i mean 2011 was out how about of how about black friday free agency <laughs> oh god yeah right Black Friday free agency. So Thanksgiving, at, we could be uh, getting, we we might have to call some GMs because there could be signings on Thanksgiving. Oh, I, oh, I think so. I, I don't think they're going to want to do it like 2011 guys, where basically you're signing guys <laughs> during training camp. Like if we started, yeah. let's, let's, first. let's 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 talk about that. So you were in the Nets front office at the time. So in that time, uh, the lockout had happened, and it, the lockout was resolved, if I'm not mistaken, on the Friday of Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think 26th of November. Okay. Yeah. And I want to say the training camp started like December. Yeah, the players who were under contract, I actually have all my notes though. The players who were under contract had to report by December 8th. Um, and training camp started on the 9th. You couldn't do two days, two days until the 11th. But yeah, and, the, and the, basically the um, – the moratorium was lifted on on the ninth when you when you could start signing guys, so you were basically bringing back your own players, and then during camp, you had free agents kind of filter in um, to your wow. to your roster. Who were who were? Do you remember who like the kind of notable free agent? I mean, the the thing we all remember about that is the Chris Paul, yeah. um, trade untrade trade. That was the biggest transaction from that. But Harden, right? Wasn't that did Harden get traded that year? No, that Harden James got hard the following. Uh, okay, it was the following, the following year. yeah, two thousand twelve. What, what were the biggest free agents? I don't remember. Um, well, we sure didn't sign any. <laughs> we signed <laughs> we signed Sean Williams, I believe, and we traded for Memo Core because we had I think we had cap space. Um, that was our big. Uh, <laughs> I think that was our big free agent. Yeah, I don't know who the big ones were back in. Um, I'll look it up in a second. But yeah, Lamar um, Odom had gotten traded, right? Didn't he go oh, from and, the Lakers and he, to Dallas? And he didn't want to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but the difference then until and now is that we had a whole new CBA that was coming in, and that right. We had a conference call on December 9th, I believe. It was like a through one of those three-hour conference calls with the legal NBA legal, where all thirty teams were on it, and they were basically walking you through the rules. And then they said, okay, guys, um, you can start going out signing guys um, and you start making trades. And we all like, we all got off the call and we were calling each other and we we're like, did you understand what just happened? <laughs> like we, none of us knew the rules to the point where, I mean, real quick story. When I was in New Jersey, we had always acted as a team with cap space until we went out and, you know, got Joe and signed Joe Wallace. And then we're operating as a tax team in 2012. And, you know, like, in, you know, Mirza Toledovic, we had agreed to the full mid-level. Well, shoot, the full mid-level triggers the hard cap. So you can't sign Chris Humphreys. And now you got to go back to Mirza and sign him for the tax mid-level and stuff. So you were basically learning, you know, all these rules on the fly. There wasn't many. I'm looking at the at the list of 2011 free agents. It was Marcus Saul was the um, – was the biggest free agent, but he was. Restricted. I think DeAndre. I didn't DeAndre resigning with the Clippers. Didn't he have an offer sheet from Golden State? I want to say was. Was that when Bob Myers first? Got yes, there? because uh, they used the um, the amnesty on Charlie yes. Bell to to uh, make the offer sheet. Yes, yeah. DeAndre uh, David West, I believe, signed with the Pacers. Yeah, that was kind of a significant move, but it wasn't. You know, we didn't have. Um, 
you know, the year before was the giant free agency, 2010. Well, and, and, and the lockout was all Dwight too. Like we were, um, you know, knee deep in trying to get Dwight and that thing lingered because the trade deadline and we're, we're going to see the trade deadline probably push to March. I would think yeah. um, it was March 15th and that we took that all the way up to then. And, you know, the one thing that we've, we've talked about, Brian, is guy is what's the date going to be as far as for when free agents, right, can be traded. Um, back then it was March. You had to wait until March 1st. So basically two weeks before the trade deadline, when that restriction was lifted off these these free agents who were who were signing these contracts. Yeah, I'm having a walk down memory lane here of uh, on guys uh, who were free agents uh who are considered the uh, the marquee free agents, uh, Nene, for example. Uh, but I will say, uh, 2011, Tyson Chandler was a free agent. Uh, he ended up going to the Knicks, right? Um, uh, after winning the title with uh, winning the title with uh, Dallas, did he end up going to the Knicks? Um, anyway, he was a free agent that year, and he's still technically in the league. So there you go. Um, so, Bobby, this is a little different though, because in in addition to the the all you know you're trying to work on free agency um there's going to be draft guys who draft picks and i would assume that there's going to be trades around the draft and so you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be drafting a guy november 18th and it's like hey uh <laughs> pack your stuff tomorrow and get to our facility because you're starting training camp in 10 days um you know, I mean, that's a, in 2011, the draft took place before uh, the, the lockout began uh, July 1st. The draft took place in, in the third week of June. So, but, but this complicates matters even more. And then you have the pandemic. I don't know if they're going to, if they're going to have to quarantine, I, maybe they're not going to quarantine, but, you know, it, ideally you want to quarantine people before you bring them in so that they're not sick. So, would there be a quarantine period that you have to figure out? There's a, there's a lot they're trying to squeeze in here um, for December 22nd. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny that in, in the league deserves all the credit in the world for the bubble and protecting the players and everyone and no positive tests, but like now we're entering the real world, right? <laughs> like the bubble is not going to protect everything that's going to happen. And we're basically going to be on, you know, the, the time standard that the NFL is going through and basically what MLB went through before they've quarant you know, quarantined at these different locations here. And um, you're probably going to see expanded rosters. You're going to probably see substitute players in place. Um, you're going to see, you know, quarantine for, you know, certainly when guy when rookies are coming in, it's going to be fascinating as far as what free agents, when they're signed, getting their physicals done right? Flying them in, you know, how does that work? Um, is it where they're located? I mean, there's so much that's going to have to get flushed out here, um, you know, in the next eight, eight weeks, right? I mean, it's, if we're well, trying plus, to get games. Plus, Ohm, we have all kinds of coaching changes and we have two teams that don't have head coaches yet. Um, you know, the, the Clippers are still hiring guys. Yeah. I mean, and so was, you know, it was a chain reaction because, there's a lot of assistance here in LA with the Clippers and a lot of assistance in Philadelphia that are waiting to see what Doc's going to do, who Ty Lue's going to keep. And so there's a lot of guys up in the wind just wondering where they're going to be in a matter of weeks. And now, you know, I had one assistant tell me, um, I can't believe this. The season might start in a few weeks and we don't know where we're going to be and we got to figure all this out now. And so it just feels like it's total mayhem. I, 
One thing you did say, Wendy, and I was wondering what you and, and B Marks think. When the bubble, before the bubble started, I had uh, one coach tell me that he felt that it could be like an AAU situation where guys were going to basically, they're going to be around each other so much that they were going to start recruiting guys to come on their team for next year, like free agents, and try to create their own teams. And you were saying that, Bobby was saying that, hey, there's some deals that might already be in place. I'm wondering, that might speed up the process. Did you guys hear of any guys that were in the bubble who might have already been talking to other players about joining forces together? Trying to get us in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get us in trouble. Trying to get me aggregated and called by the news desk. (laughs) Well, you'd be aggregated off of our pod. I don't know about I don't know about you know trying to team up, but I think there are going to be guys um, that when they get back to their team and this thing gets going, they're going to wake up and say like, you know, do I want to go through a twenty and fifty two season, right? Like one of those things. And I see what the Clippers have and the Lakers have and. You know, Brooklyn has and some of these other high profile teams, and I want to go join them. And I'm not saying Bradley Beals is the guy because he has pledged his loyalty, but, you know, that's kind of the guy, right? Does it, when, when does it get to that point with him? Um, or maybe it never does. Like that, that would be the one guy that if, you know, and there's no evidence that he is secretly talking to join forces here, but that was always my guy. Even before he signed that extension last year was like, you know, when does Bradley Beal wake up and say like, you know, Hey, we're going to be in rebuilding for the next two or three years. Like here's my get out of jail free car to go try to join forces with another team. So, uh, yes, that is definitely happening, but I think it was, had already been happening. Um, you know, whether it's Bradley Beal or not, I mean, I, you know, Bradley Beal recently gave a very politically correct uh, answer to a question about um, about what his future is. And it was almost like he took it out of the book of uh, all the guys. It was like, oh, I'm a loyal guy. I want to be here. I'd love to play my whole career here, but I want to win. It was a perfectly pitch perfect answer. Um, but the thing about it is, is that this is all now compressed. Um you know, guys might have thought, well, let's see what happens at the draft. Let's see what my team does in free agency. Let's see where my team is looking or that team is looking. And uh, we'll, we'll evaluate. Now, all of a sudden, that's all happening really, really fast. And, um, and you know, now between draft, free agency, and the start of the season is so tight, I do wonder if there's going to be a player or two to raise their hand and say, I don't know about this. Plus, you know, when you have a coaching change, um, there is going to be guys who aren't as comfortable with the new coach. Um, don't, doesn't, don't like what that new coach has planned for him. Uh, and whereas time, sometimes things would be maybe let to play out. I could see guys raising their hands and not, you know, Bobby, you've, you've touched it. We haven't had a trade since February. We haven't had a trade in eight months or whatever. Um, teams want, there's deals teams want to make. So there's going to be another bubble, which is the bubble of transactions that have been held off. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where we're going to be heading towards more than um, what's going to happen in free agency. There's going to be certainly players signed um, to big, you know, certainly Anthony Davis and Brandon Ingram and some of those other guys will will be signed and off the board. But that's how teams are going to be able to shake up their roster. You know, when you're looking at, 
um, you know, basically 26 teams having a, the mid-level or tax mid-level, and that's it to use in free agency. Um, it's going to be the transaction game when it be, when it comes to trades. You know what's you know what's the future of Victor Oladipo, and we you know he's played the the you know the politically correct card also here, and we'll see who they you know with their new head coach and and Nate Bjorkman how that works. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's going to be the big thing. Is the, the, the other thing market. is because there's no because there's a very limited free agent uh, market. You know you've got. Atlanta was space, Charlotte was space, uh, Detroit was space, Miami has some space. Who else am I uh, forgetting? New York. No, New, New York. York. The Knicks. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, the Knicks got a bunch of space if they, if they, especially if they want it. And Phoenix um, potentially too. Phoenix they, potentially. Yeah. Um, but most of the teams out there are going to be playing with just their exception. So if guys want to get, you know, contracts of any size, we're going to potentially see sign and trades. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. the one thing, Brian, that when you talk to teams about the salary cap and the luxury tax, they're like, we don't care if the, the salary cap stays at 109. Like, who cares? Like, it's, it's you know, there was going to be four teams with cap space with 109 or with that, with that at 115. The big thing is going to be where that luxury tax number comes in at, because it's more about the hard cap, right? If you add, you know, the $6 million apron on, on a, $132 million luxury tax, like there's not much flexibility. Right. But when so you go 139, right, which was the projected number, that gives you more of a, you know, more of a, you know, of, of, of a working space there. So you've just hit on something which could be a negotiation for the players. I've talked about all of these asks that the owners are going to be basically making for the players. One thing that the, and I talked to an agent the other day and he was like, if you can, if you can artificially inflate the salary cap to 109 million, you can artificially inflate the salary cap to 115, which was the original projection for this year. And the idea of that would be that the luxury tax will go up by 6 million. Everybody, I mean, even though they wouldn't really have that money that all the players would have to give money back for the cap to be equalized later on, just making it that 115 would give a layer that a bunch of players could squeeze into. Um, even if they're, even if they know that for that $10 million for every 10 million they sign, they may only actually get, you know, 3 million this year, uh, in some places, uh, it's better for next year and the year after that. Uh, and it's better for teams who want to make moves this year with the luxury tax. But I will tell you right now, Bobby, you know, this as well. I'm sure you do own too. There are agents out there right now looking at sign, you know, doing negotiations on potential sign and trade deals. It has started free. The off season has started. And, um, and, you know, a lot of it's just feeling out right now because we still don't know the rules, but my guess is once we hear whether that cap number is an artificial 109 or an artificial 115 or whatever, we're going to see, we're going to start hearing about stuff coming off the board, even before the draft guys are going to be lined up is what I, is what I expect to happen. And how much of that we're actually going to be able to report out there. We'll see because, you know, for those of us in our business, you hear about a deal being agreed to, um, you better damn well be sure because you could end up being wrong. Last year, I ta I've talked about this. There was a player headed to a certain team that was ironclad. He plays point guard. <laughs> um, and he was he was a team in the uh, in the mountain time zone. We all thought he was going to a team in the in the eastern time zone, and he ended up with a with another team in the mountain time zone. You can draw your own line on that. 
Um, but we thought for sure he was going to one place. And then all of a sudden that team in the Eastern time zone, the central division made a surprising deal. And then that guy went somewhere else. But I mean, I would have reported it, Bobby. Um, his first name and his last name begin with the same letter. Um, I thought for sure that that was going to happen to a certain spot and it, and it didn't happen. So I don't know how much of this is going to get public, even if we know we can't say because things are going to change, but uh, all my expect that to be, I expect there to be action and, and I expect the team that you cover the, the LA Clippers to be one of the most aggressive teams. I think they're going to have to really look at that roster. And, and I think, um, you know, we'll see a couple other teams be guys. We're going to see the, we're going to see stuff happen with the Knicks, I think for sure. Cause they've got 40 million in cap space, but um, yeah, I mean, look, Steve Ballmer said it the other day. I mean, he said, we have to literally find every margin that we have to basically get creative with this roster because they don't have any first round picks to deal anymore. And so they pretty much have, you know, Montrez Harrell, Jamichael Green, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson to perhaps sign and trade. I don't see a huge market for them. And then Lou Williams expiring $8 million contract, which I think would be very attractive to other teams, but the Clippers are not just not going to get enough back for that. And then Patrick Beverly, uh, you know, is anybody really going to want Patrick Beverly? Um, and then oh, yeah. people, the would want pa- people would want Patrick Beverly. It's just a matter of what you could get for Patrick. Beverly. Right. But Patrick Beverly, a desired player. I'm looking at what the Clippers can bring back um, right. and to, to really make us that would be better than having Patrick Beverly. Um, so I just we'll, think, we'll be talking about mo- these teams in the coming days. I'm wondering sure. what Montrez Harrell, like is are things going to move very fast for him or is he going to have to wait mm-hmm. and see? That's a sign and trade candidate right there. Yeah. You know, for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10 minute low impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30 minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. One other thing before we go, uh, and we'll be talking way more about all this stuff uh, as we head towards December. I think this pot will probably be dominated this next week with discussion about these ins and outs. But something surfaced in the last couple of days, and I hate the Jordan LeBron comparisons. I am. Um, it's not a. It's not a conversation that I'm particularly interested in. To me, it's a very simplistic conversation. You either feel one way or the other. I'm not going to talk you into it. People just like to defend their position. They don't actually want to listen to the other side. But this interview that Jordan gave in 2017 with Cigar Aficionado, which is perfect for Jordan. <laughs> um, 
began this interview in 2017 and it was a big interview then. And it was like cigar aficionados, like 25th anniversary or 50th anniversary. I apologize. I don't know which one it was. And it, it, it was done to commemorate this anniversary. And he was talking about all the times where he smoked cigars, but they decided to release the unedited. I don't know, you know what the purpose was, but they decided to release the unedited interview that they did um the the whole thing in one and it was released last week at the end of last week and it got like 1.1 million views in like two days because jordan was so good in this interview he's sitting in a uh, in a golf club actually jack nicholas's golf club in in florida one of his golf clubs in jupiter florida and he's smoking a cigar with a guy who runs cigar aficionado and they're just talking about cigars and cubans and and whatever um and the guy asks him a very smart question. He asks him to compare the goat debate in golf between Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas. And this is an ingenious question because what they're really asking is any comparison to Jordan, right? And I thought his answer, uh, guys, was terrific. And um, even though it's a three-year-old answer, I highly doubt he feels differently. Uh, I'm just going to read it to you real quick, and then I want to hear what you guys think about it. This is what Jordan said on this uh, interview. It's, it's just been released in full. You're never going to be able to say who the greatest of all time is. To me, that's, a, that's more for PR and selling stories and getting hype. Jack and Tiger never played against each other. They never played in the same tournament. They never played with the same equipment. They never played the same length golf course. I never played against Wilt Chamberlain, and I never played against Jerry West. To now say that one is greater than the other to me is a bit unfair. This is where you can judge the two. How much impact did each have? How did they change or evolve the game? Jack during his time versus Tiger during his time. Now, obviously, Jack won more, blah, blah, blah. He, asks, he says, um, he talks about, uh, he talks some stuff about Jack and Tiger, which, you know, I, don't, I doubt you care about golf listening here. And he goes, I won six championships and Bill Russell won 11. Does that make Bill Russell better than me or make me better than him? No, because we played in different eras. When you try to equate who is the greatest of all time, it's an unfair parallel. It's an unfair choice. There are, there are those demons that obviously Tiger has to live with when he's going to be challenged and graded upon that. For me, I think they're both great. I would never say that one is greater than the other. That's me. That's my opinion. Now, we are talking about one of the most competitive men in the history of sport that we are aware of, who is not afraid to show anybody else up. And that's him talking about the greatest of all time debate in golf and a little bit in basketball, which is sort of similar. Uh, Om, when you saw that, what did that make? How did that make you feel? Uh, it was pretty consistent with, I think, what Michael has said in the past, um, especially when he's been asked about LeBron. I don't feel that Michael truly, in the deepest of hearts, in a moment of when he will be raw and honest with you, that he believes that. I, I think that's his answer to <laughs> give to people. And I think he truly believes he's the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball. Um, I do think he is. he has some points there. It, it's hard to compare, but I think at the end of the day, it's it probably in his most inner circle. He believes that he's the greatest of all time, but the answer he gives right there is the PC way of giving it. I guess that's fair, but I also think it's honest, Bobby. Yeah. And I, I think the one thing that, that stood out for me and what we've, we never debate 
is that and because we we've never we never saw them play in, in in person was was the older generation right was the bill russells the jerry west of the world and i'm, I'm thinking like what's going to happen like 40 40 years from now is it going to be lebron and that next young star or someone else that were that the next generation yeah. of people are going to be debating here and then people are going to be like and and Michael will be in that Bill Russell category. Yeah. Like, right? Like it's gonna be just that's how the world works and stuff, is that we never talk about that older generation of players because none of us saw them play in, in person here. I think Bobby, it's funny because when the last dance was going on, I did this piece talking to guys that were entering this year's draft about how did they learn about Michael Jordan? Because they were all either born right when Michael was playing with the Wizards and was retiring, or they were born after Michael was done. And a lot of these guys were like, yeah, I, I just went to YouTube. And I and some of them were saying, like, I don't really like watching it because it, it looks like the, the footage is so grainy. And, you know, he's not shooting threes. And the scores are in the 70s. And it reminded me, Bobby, about probably our generation and how we felt when we would see this black and white footage of Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell. And we couldn't really relate to that. You know what I mean? And so these kids today, they they talk about Michael in some in some ways of how we talk about Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, and think about those guys. Yeah, that's, that's why it was point. so genius to do the last dance, and uh, because the last dance connected him to a whole new to a whole new generation. I really do believe, but um, I, I I mean I know you're right, Olm. He has said stuff like this before, but this was you know a very nice complete answer, and I'm going to. <laughs> to bookmark it uh, and use his uh, use the his words uh, whenever but when everybody wants to ask me about it uh, as if I have some sort of uh, answer that will uh, appease people. But um, all right, well, it's going to be a busy week, Bobby. I feel like Bobby, you're gonna you didn't think you were going to have to work that hard next week, <laughs> but I feel like your phone is going to be aggressively lit up yeah, and you know what it, need it, help. It, it's like you know i don't want to compare it to like a like a hurricane but it, it feels like it's out like just it's just i don't know when when it's coming but it's going to come at one point it's not i don't know if it's going to be tomorrow or maybe tuesday night or wednesday but um the salary cap cba um, logistics is certainly coming here Bobby, I would say this. I, I, I wish there was no pandemic so that when it did come for you, I, w- I wish you would be on a beach in Aruba and you would have to run to that business office at the Hyatt. <laughs> Is that the strangest place you ever did a contract, Bobby, um, that you can talk about? Yeah, I would say so. I, that's probably one of the more u- unique where I killed uh, five hours <laughs> of a day was in, the, uh, was, in that, uh, was in that Hyatt in that business office. Um, the strangest place you ever reported a story? Do you uh, can oh, you think of one? Man, um, you know when LeBron's—the most recent one I remember when LeBron signed with the Lakers. I was at a Baskin Robbins in Culver City, and and listen, <laughs> I had stayed home, locked in, because in free agency, I just don't want to leave my apartment. I want to be looking at Twitter and everything. And I said, I need a break. I'm just gonna go get a scoop of ice cream and come back. And I remember walking in, and at that, that moment, my phone like was just going off the hook. And I looked, and I said, "You got to be kidding me!" And so, well, you know what? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, like when AD asked to be traded when it, that Monday morning, when AD asked to be traded, I went out for a walk, and I left my phone at home, thinking, like, "Well, who the hell's breaking news at seven thirty in the morning? You know, it's four thirty <laughs> out west." 
And I come home and it's, you know, Woj, Miss Calls, Woj, get up, Miss Call. Like, <laughs> like, what the heck just happened? And it was that he had asked to be traded from the Pelicans. <laughs> what about you, Wendy? You know, I mean, uh, a thousand airports. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think uh, when I, I think um, something happened. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact story, but I remember uh, there was a story that I had to work on in the Bangkok airport. Yes. Um, uh, that I had to uh, deal with. And it was a crazy time difference. And um, I, I remember that for sure. And um, uh, I was in Hawaii the day that David Blatt got fired. Um you know, I had taken a week in January. I, I was browbeat by my family. We don't want to go to Hawaii in uh, in July. We want to go to Hawaii in January. So I had finagled a week off in January and David Black got fired. And I was on the balcony of my hotel looking at the ocean while every, the rest of my family was out uh, in the in playing in, in the surf. And I was uh, working on that story. Um, that's as close as I can get to uh, Bobby's Aruba. But that was sort of mid-season. But, um, you know all kinds of uh, back corners of arenas, airports. Uh, uh, oh, I remember one time I was driving, um, I was covering the Memphis Grizzlies, Oklahoma City Thunder series. Um, and I was driving, I, I, for some reason I decided to drive between Memphis and uh, uh, from between Memphis and Oklahoma City because the flight patterns, there was no direct flight and it was like a seven hour drive and it would take me six hours to fly with connections. And so I just drove it and midway through, I um, got a text that uh, Zach Randolph had been suspended for game seven, which ended up being a big moment. And I, to file the story, I pulled over on the side of the road and parked in a McDonald's parking lot and stole McDonald's Wi-Fi to file the story. <laughs> I've so, definitely done that before. Yeah. So um, I would have rather been in Aruba, but um, all right. Thank you for listening to the Collective Podcast. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll have a lot more to come in the weeks ahead. We we actually were thinking, you know, typically we, in the normal calendar, we sort of go on hiatus, like from mid-August to like mid to end of September. Well, uh, there will be no hiatus of the Hoop Collective podcast this offseason. We will go straight through because we are warriors. We went straight through the pandemic. Darn it. We didn't. We didn't. We kept right on going. So um, we'll still be with you. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.